Justified City Prime Evil episodes one and two are both over, but we're just getting started, getting into Justified here on Post Show Recaps. This is the return of Raylan Givens, aka Marshall Daddy O, aka Chicken Fat. I'm joined here by the great Antonio Mazzaro. Antonio, we back. We back, baby. I'm so excited. We are digging coal together once again. I guess we're digging Detroit together this time. We're digging Detroit. What do they? They don't dig coal in Detroit. Uh, no, they baby. dig fake Rolexes in Detroit. They make things. Uh, they produce things. Mm-hmm. They make engines. They make yeah. muscles. They make cars. They make music. Detroit rocks, Josh. Have you been to Detroit? I actually have never been to Detroit. Uh, I would really like to go. Uh, I Great would really city. like to check out Detroit. Yeah, great city. Big fan. Big fan from Cincinnati to Detroit. It's like a four hour straight shot. And Windsor, Canada is actually south of Detroit. So when I don't know, say you're a 19 year old growing up in Cincinnati, you might drive uh, to the fine uh, environs of Windsor, Canada, uh, so that you can get into all types of nefarious things. Uh, And Detroit may be a place that you become very familiar. with. Wow. Okay. well, uh, we're going to Detroit. I don't know if we're going to Canada here in City Prime (laughs) Evil. Maybe Raylan Givens in Canada does feel like a thing I'd like to see. See, Aylin Givens, eh? Yeah, I think it, Ray. Uh, like, I think that that would be quite fun. Him with the hat in Canada would be really good. If anything, these first two episodes of City Prime Evil, which are both out now, uh, check them out on FX and Hulu. Uh, we've got two episodes already out of the eight episodes that are available to all of us. This is really fun and a really fun start to the show, I think. I think we're going to have a really fun time talking about it here on PSR. Uh, that I think that the premise for me, Antonio, is like, um, does anyone want Raylan Givens back? Why are we doing a justified reboot? And my kind of blanket response to that is like, anyone who's questioning this just does not want to have fun. Uh, this is so much fun. I just felt immediately transported back to the justified vibes, the just vibes, Antonio. Yes. I'm thrilled to be back in this universe and we're going to be podcasting about the whole thing. Make sure you're subscribed. Postshowrecaps.com slash justified is the RSS link when you search by URL or just search post show recaps justified wherever you get your podcasts. Antonio, how did this hit for you? It hit great, man. Uh, it, hit, it hit different, but it hit great. Like it was justified and it wasn't. Uh, it was similar to Justified and it was different. It was the Raylan Givens character from Justified and it wasn't. Uh, and so there were things that were very similar and things that were very different. But uh, like you, at the, end, at the end of two episodes, I'm just left with a big goofy grin on my face and super excited about the other six to come. Having read the book, as we talked about on our preview show here, uh, and knowing what is to come story-wise, I'm very excited to see how the thinking Raylan that Givens we know, character... At least. Thinking that we know. Right. It could be... Who knows what happens, right? We could uh, we could end this series with the Oklahoma wild man in the halls of the U.S. Senate. Uh-huh. Uh, but, <laughs> oh, but man. No, I, yeah, Oklahoma I'm really senator, The senator from Oklahoma, Clement the Mansell. Senator from Oklahoma, Clement Mansell. It's as not, he steps it, up to Seven Nation Army. It's not as crazy as you might think. Uh, <laughs> we're not that far removed from a real scenario there. Um, but yeah, be still my justified heart. At one point, I wrote in my notes um, when Raylan looked down into a shaft that he discovered a secret escape uh, hatch in a home. Uh, he said, things that occur to you when you grow up in a mining town. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, this, that's the guy from Justified. It's him. Yeah. I did like the Leo point at the mm-hmm. screen when he yeah. said that. Uh, and I did, too, except I was like, down the hatch. 
<laughs> yeah, of course you did. I know what you did. Anytime uh-huh. there's a hatch showing up, I know you. <laughs> yep. Did you see they found a hatch on the beach in Australia, by the way? Look did that they really? Look What's that down there? Up. Yeah, look that one up. Look okay. at New South Wales, north of New South Wales. Look Uh-oh. at that. They have, anyway, they have members of the Wolverine militia down there. I think, that, I think that that's the Wombat militia, actually. Yes. Yeah. yeah this is yeah. now we're back on. Now we're back, yeah, baby. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Super hyped for the rest of this season of Justified and thrilled to be talking to you about it here, Josh, at Post Show Recaps. Like you said, people can subscribe, share the podcast, rate, review, do all those things, especially early in the season. That is of a great help to us. We will be podcasting about this season of Justified City Primeval here at Post Show Recaps, despite the fact that uh, the there are a lot of strikes going on, Josh. Uh, this is a topic that we're very sensitive to, but there have not been any calls to stop uh, talking about these things or stop yep. watching them. So until there are, we are here uh, keeping watch. Yeah, but shouts to SAG-AFTRA and the WGA without whom talking about Justified simply wouldn't be possible. This show wouldn't exist. So, right. uh, of course, we must acknowledge this podcast being recorded during that time. Um a lot of time has passed since Justified in the real world. Certainly, it seems like a lot of time has passed since Justified in the universe of Justified. As you observe, Antonio, a very different vibe from Raylan Givens in this episode. And I'm not just talking about the silver fox of it all, but gosh, yeah, Raylan aged well, I have to yeah. say. Slim. He's kind of cute. Like slim is. Yeah. yeah, he looks great. He looks fantastic. He looks terrific. Uh, Let's get a base coat here. I think we should talk through the two episodes storylines that we want to talk through the characters because you and I have read City Primeval written by Elmore Leonard. So much of this feels like it's coming right out of the page. And then, of course, Raylan Givens. Oh, God, I'm about to do a terrible parallel. You ready for this? Raylan Givens is to justified City Primeval as Daryl Dixon is to the Walking Dead TV series, insofar as Daryl Dixon did not exist in the Walking Dead comic books and was a wild card that changed so much. Raylan Givens, not featured in the City Primeval novel. That book is centering on Raymond Cruz, the uh, detective who we see at the start of episode two. A full spoiler to uh, to the book as a result of that, potentially, uh, Raylan showing up and occupying that hero role. So, again, we think we know what's coming in City Primeval. But I think Raylan, as Raylan often does, is probably going to kick this thing off the rails pretty quickly. He does. He is a danger magnet. He he brings it. He attracts it. And that's uh, that's ultimately what he's doing right now. Uh, what he's doing at the beginning of Justified City Primeval is just attracting danger as usual. All right. So let's attract a quick plot recap of episodes one and two. Why don't you kick us off, Antonio, and tell us what happened in the first episode of Justified City Primeval? Well, as I was saying, Raylan Givens is still a danger magnet, even after all these years. Taking his daughter Willa to a troubled teen program after an incident with another girl, she deserved it, it was justified, Raylan and Willa fall victim to an attempted carjacking in the Everglades, the aftermath of which lands them in Detroit. Also heading to Detroit is a chaos agent by the name of Clement Manziel, a.k.a. the Oklahoma Wildman. About 40 miles outside of Detroit, Manziel steals a car, seemingly just to use the tape deck to listen to demo tapes of himself singing. Already in Detroit is an abrasive judge by the name of Alvin Guy. Guy nearly falls victim to a car bomb, having been targeted due to, well, sleeping with a defendant's mother. But you get the impression that the judge has a novel-length enemies list. Raylan and Willa immediately get added to that list, getting sideways with the judge and ending up in a holding cell, but not before razor-sharp defense attorney Carolyn Wilder manages to get all the charges relating to the attempted Florida carjacking dropped due to, well... 
Raylan's usual antics. Raylan can't wait to get out of Detroit, but the local marshal's office lends him to the police department to help protect the judge. He's promised will just be a 24-hour gig, close the case, and done. Seems unlikely, especially considering he seems to be on a collision course with Carolyn Wilder, who coquettishly waves at him in court and later becomes target of a prank from Willa, sending Wilder the dumbest drink on the menu, ostensibly from Raylan, when Raylan and Willa encounter her in a restaurant. Wilder isn't directly connected to the Oklahoma wild man's case yet, though she is connected to a local bar owner and musician named Sweetie, who also has a connection with the wild man. For a big city, the Detroit of Justified City Primeval has a very small town feel. Call it a Raylan vibe. Besides Sweetie, the Oklahoma wild man is reconnecting with other old friends and lovers in Detroit, namely casino cocktail waitress Sandy Stanton, whose wiles provide Manziel with a place to stay, a car, and a ready-made Albanian mark by the name of Skender. Unfortunately, while attempting to follow Sandy and Skender as part of a setup, Manziel crosses paths in a road rage incident with Judge Guy and his assistant Rose Doyle. Guy being Guy and Manziel being Manziel, a crossed path quickly becomes a cross path for the Oklahoma Wildman, who stalks and ultimately kills the judge and then Doyle to boot. Raylan, the danger magnet, is now on a collision course with a wilder killer than he's faced in a long time. Okay, and that was Justified. Uh, that was Justified City Primeval, the series premiere, uh, the first of the two episodes that are currently out right now. And immediately, I feel like this is such a strong episode that so confidently sets up what this thing is. It's a crime caper. Uh, it is much like Justified often is uh, a series of unfortunate events that yep. lead us deeper and deeper into a doom spiral. The fact that Clement Manzel is not killing Judge Guy because he is one of Judge Guy's varied many enemies that he has made in his many years as a judge in Detroit. He just gets in the way. And road rage ensues. Uh, call it beef, too, Antonio. Shouts <laughs> uh, to Steven Yoon, another Walking Dead shout out here. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah, we're like, it's really just wrong place, wrong time, and crossing a man who it seems like what this episode comes across uh, for us with Clement specifically is sort of like shiny death object. Uh, he sees like a new thing to murder and he goes after the new thing to murder. But like you said, seemingly just as a choice, like he was going to commit one crime, uh, seemingly with Sandy and Skender setting Skender up as a as a mark or a target of some kind of robbery or attempted robbery. Uh, and, you know, that's not happening. So this is going to happen. I'm going to I'm going to do murders. I'm going to do other crimes. And I can't seem to stop murdering. There I go killing again, he says, uh, like Crumbopulous Michael. Uh, so that's it. Yeah, uh, he he just he, he's a wild man. I mean, that's what he is. Like, this is what he does. And it's extremely unpredictable. There's the moment uh, and it's not in the first episode, but there are these moments throughout the first couple of episodes where it's just like you think he's going to zig and he zags instead. Or you think he's going to do one thing and it's instead another thing that catches his eye. He yeah. pulls up to that gas station and he's just like, you know what? Uh, I have an awesome car that I'm rolling in here in. I'm going to take another car. Why not? What the yeah. hell? Which is incredible to me because in so many ways, that's like Darth Raylan, right? I think Raylan Givens is a guy who often himself is wrong person, wrong place, wrong time. I mean, that seems to be the whole premise of City yes. Prime Evil. He does yeah. not need, he does not mean to be here. Uh, trouble just finds him. Two fugitives crash into his truck and a couple of orange freezes later, here he is stuck in Detroit yeah. 
on the trail of a guy he still has not met as of the end of the first episode. But gosh, by the end of episode two, he has seriously met. So I feel like um, there is something that's very situational about how Raylan Givens operates whenever he is at the scene of a crime. Uh, we talked about this in our preview pod, but brings a car to a gunfight. Uh, I feel like you are getting that vibe from uh, Boyd Holbrook's character here, Clement Mansell, in this first episode. In the second episode, too, there's sort of like this ease, this confidence, this arrogance, and this creative uh, approach to what he is really good at. It just so happens to be that what he's really good at is the exact thing that Raylan has dedicated his life to stopping. So um, it's his un uh, unstoppable force, immovable object territory right. that we're heading right. into. Yeah, exactly what I was thinking. And it is uh, it's it's a thing where, look, the Oklahoma wild man exists in this form and pretty much just dead on in terms of this chaotic uh, force of nature in the novel Justified City Primeval. And as you were talking about, the Raylan Givens character does not. But you can take a step back and look at that character, the Oklahoma wild man, and say, Perfect foil for Raylan Givens. Like you called him Darth Raylan, uh, but it, which, by the way, sounds like something that Constable Bob Patton Oswalt would have come up with on uh -huh, the Darth, Justified. Darth, Darth Raylan. Raylan, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, you can hear his voice saying it. Uh, but the uh, it's not only that uh, that it, it's a perfect fit, like he's a perfect foil, but uh, it just seems it seems ready made, and that's the Elmore Leonard connection, right? That's the I'm going to write villains uh, who have this dimensionality, who aren't just pure evil, who are funny, who can be unpredictable, who can do insane things that aren't always murdering. Oh, but by the way, they are also monsters. Uh, and so many people hold justified or hold City Primeval, the novel, uh, in such close accord. Uh, they keep it really close and they, they really think very highly of it, I think in part because it's just full of these Elmore Leonard types, these Elmore Leonard characters, one of which definitely is Raylan Givens, not in the novel, but he is an Elmore Leonard character through and through. Yeah, so no, it is no very easy, I think, uh, not to diminish the task of the writers, uh, but it is very easy to see how Raylan Givens can be placed in this story. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the what would Elmore Leonard do ethos that was throughout Graham Yost's uh, Justified. Uh, I think without Graham Yost being involved directly here, still an executive producer, but not involved in the, in the day to day, because he himself is down the hatch in a silo uh, these days, as I've heard, uh, that I feel like that that vibe, that 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 North star of look to the book. Uh, the book will guide you towards the types of people that you're going to meet in an Elmore Leonard type of story and applying that to Justified. Still on clear full display here in City Primeval because I think that the, the early review that you and I would give, not to speak for you, but I think you'd agree, is like, there are so, there's so much here just in these first two episodes, just in that first episode alone, that feels ripped right out of the book. Uh, yes. Or like, riffing uh rift right out of the book like there's some great adaptation choices that are made here i'm thinking of judge guy's uh confrontation with the law enforcement officers who come and confront him and, and try to find out about the mother and everything like this he waves this very interesting notebook around uh that i got to imagine we're gonna go much deeper into the notebook uh, maybe James Marsden will finally get his due here as we talk about this <laughs> notebook. Uh, not, not likely, I don't think. The other um, guy. The other guy. Uh, the, the other judge guy. Um, but in this scene, he's basically saying, like, don't press me. Don't step up to me, because if you do, I'm going to start singing. I got a lot of names of a lot of people here in this town that don't want to be talked about in the capacity that I know. Like Judge Guy seems very crooked and seems to have a line on a lot of crooked activities for some high powered individuals in the book. 
this is at a press conference, I believe, is where he just like he goes ham. He like goes ballistic yeah. on yeah. camera. Uh, and so there's a lot of theorizing in the book of like, OK, did the person who killed him was this like one of, you know, Judge Guy's many jilted people. Uh, and of course, it is in the book as it is on the show that it's just it's effectively road rage gone wrong while Clement Mansell is trying to scam someone else completely, but gets derailed by Judge Guy's uh, driving skills or lack thereof. Um, but the fact that that scene then gets translated into this quieter moment with Raylan and the law enforcement officers that we're just starting to meet. We're just starting to meet Norbert. We're meeting Wendell, who I think is my ride or die guy right now. Uh, we're, we're just meeting Maureen that we're able to be like really located on these characters who we need to get some sort of solid standing with as Raylan is our entry point into this world rather than having it be like this big blown out spectacle. I think it's just such a smart adaptation choice. Uh, and I think there's, there's tons of examples exactly like that throughout both of these episodes. There really are. And it is uh, it, the book itself opens w like just in the middle of things uh, with regard to Judge Guy. And you get a laundry list of <laughs> the things that he did. Oh and it's so funny. I'm laughing just thinking about it. Uh, all of the craziness that he was involved in as a judge, just zero F's given just anything he could do. Not necessarily corrupt per se, but just sort of like a. I think they just call it like he's got the, the, the hubris of the rope, right? Like he's got it's gone to his head that he's a judge and that he's so powerful he can do whatever he wants, whether that's going to a crime scene and like literally taking a defendant out of the crime scene and saying, I'm deciding right now that to let this person go or hooking up with uh, people related to the cases or getting in fights with attorneys or all of the things. It's a laundry list in bar complaint form, essentially, uh, or with notes about the bar complaints that were filed against the judge of all of the terrible things that he did uh, and all of the ways in which he was so abrasive uh, in responding to them. Uh, it's just we can't say enough about the, the way that it was just elegantly transferred. A lot of credit goes to Keith David for that, I think. Yeah, uh, Elroy himself. Uh, yeah. Goliath has come alive once more. Keith David, perfect casting. Perfect uh, casting. Not, not just for the character, but like a perfect example of justified casting. I feel like there would always yes. be like people who are like of a, of a Keith da David level of recognizability who would get brought in to the show, whether for longer arcs or for like one offs like this. Um, you know, it, there's just there's so many great examples of that, too, of just some tremendous actors who joined the Justified cast for just a lark here and there. But I think that the the impetus of this show being it's going to be Raylan up against Clement uh, by way of Clement killing this wholly unlikable guy uh like keith david seems absolutely wonderful but this is like a, a man who could just like turn the charm all the way off and turn off like turn up all of the lack of charm and just like the nastiness and the meanness in this incredible way um the beans got over the frank on this one i was I gonna say something about beans and franks yeah. i was waiting for you to provide an opportunity and you just yeah. then you just he just tweeted it out he just he just tweeted, just it. i threaded it I threaded <laughs> you just threaded it out i just threaded you just it, skied out. it out yeah. yeah yeah so it was great it was really really great to see him here i think the casting of judge guy was something i was really excited about because judge guy's not in a lot of the book either he dies real quick and here he is on the show and man keith david's uh series premiere mvp here for me on city prime evil was just absolutely incredible and i think that that says a lot because there's so many great contributors to this episode I agree. Uh, and you're right. There are so many great contributors. We get introduced relatively quickly. 
uh, to the full cast of characters, uh, whether it's Clement or Sandy, uh, or as you said, we're starting to get to know the police uh, with Norbert uh, uh, and Wendell and all of the other people, uh, whether it's Carolyn Wilder. We've got Willa Givens, Josh. We have all of these characters uh, that are out there. Got a nose ring, by the way. Yeah, fake nose ring. Uh, yeah. Fake nose ring. Uh, Maureen Downey, uh, the cop, could probably size that up. Uh, uh, or Sweetie. Sweetie probably has seen his fair of real ones uh, as yeah. a former musician. So there are just so many great characters that uh, are from the book right away. You recognize these are the people that pop up in the book. These are the memorable scenes or memorable moments with those characters. So it's great to see how that is translating from page to screen. And as you're right, it is a beloved property. We spoke uh, in the preview podcast about sort of the way that this was going down uh, is that uh, I believe it was Michael Dinner, who is uh, one of the uh, director main and co-showrunner. Yeah. yeah. Director, co-showrunner, writer, etc. cetera. Uh, he was adapting uh, justify. He was adapting city primeval at the request of uh, the Elmore Leonard estate. Uh, and this is something that other filmmakers and other creatives had long wanted to or tried to adapt. I uh, had not been able to get to the screen. Uh, Michael Dinner is working on this at that point, and FX is like, well, why don't we make this a Raylan Givens joint? Uh, and thus, Justified City Primeval was born. But because I think it is such a precious property, there are lines that are directly out of the book. There are scenes that are pretty close to one-to-one, and these characters and who they are and what they represent uh, are very much in keeping with what is in the book. So it's just really great to see this taking off the way it is. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So we're going to keep talking about all the characters. I would really like to start talking about episode two and bringing the events of that one into the conversation here. And I've got a quick recap of do it. what Andy. So let's do this. Episode two, the Oklahoma wild man. And it kicks off by throwing us back in time to 2017. We're still in Detroit and we find out how a few of these characters connect to one another. Clement and Sweetie, they're partners in crime. It's an unholy alliance sealed in the blood of Sweetie's own friends, all of them killed by Clement during a drug deal robbery gone bad. One of them survives at least long enough to be able to identify the Oklahoma wild man as the Oklahoma trigger man. And days later, Clement's arrested, and he pays a call beforehand to his old pal Sweetie and threatens to squeal if he doesn't find a way to get them both out of trouble. Enter Clement's new lawyer, Carolyn Wilder, the same woman we've already seen go toe-to-toe with Raylan. Years before receiving the dumbest drink on the menu, here she retains the deadliest dude in Detroit as a client. For the first time, but as we'll see, not for the last time. The action then takes us back to the immediate aftermath of Judge Guy's death. Raylan remains on the case, unable to move on, leaving his daughter Willa with free reign over their Detroit hotel's crazy expensive breakfast menu. $34 for a pot of coffee? That's insane. Absolutely crazy time. Uh, Raylan's going to then team up with a matcha drinking detective named Wendell Robinson, and they're going to go off for the day, and the two of them are going to chase down a lead that brings them to Clement's doorstep. While Clement's hiding out in a walk-in closet wearing nothing but tidy whiteies, his girlfriend Sandy is going to entertain the lawmen, not quite dodging their line of inquiry. 
Clement tasks her with getting rid of the murder weapon. She drives off to do so, and Raylan and Wendell barely hide their pursuit. Spooked, Sandy brings the gun to Sweeties, hides it in the bathroom, and leaves in a hurry. Before they can investigate further, Raylan gets an invitation to visit Carolyn and her client Clement. It's a loaded encounter, with Raylan knowing on the gut level that Clement's the man who killed Judge Guy. Carolyn knows it too, Clement certainly knows it, and while no one's really hiding it, Raylan can't really do anything about it either. It's the first time he crosses paths with Carolyn and Clement in this episode, but it's not the last. First, he comes across Carolyn again at Sweetie's bar when he and Wendell go to check in on why Sandy was there hours earlier. Carolyn comes to Sweetie's aid, the lawmen leave, and the two old friends, Carolyn and Sweetie, both vent about Clement's return to town. Sweetie sees storm clouds on the horizon of positively godly proportion, but Carolyn takes a different view, and in the immortal words of the sun god Ra himself, fuck him. That ain't the last <laughs> F-bomb of the episode, but this next one just might be Raylan's first F-bomb across six seasons and counting of Justified. Someone's going to have to go back and check that for me. In any event, when Raylan's day at the office ends, he returns to his hotel, only to find Clement enjoying a plate of chicken fingers with Willa. It's an intimidation tactic, Clement's way of showing Raylan which one of them rules the hen house and which one of them is a little more than chicken fat. But Raylan doesn't take this cock's bullshit, grabbing Clement by the shirt, tossing him into a revolving door, and landing six, count them, six punches to the Oklahoma wild man's face. Raylan's last line of the episode, if I see you near my daughter again, I'll fucking kill ya. But it's Clement who gets the very last words of the hour, not if I see you first. And that is how we close things out in episode two and week one of this brand new era of Justified. And I think this one, episode two, Antonio, is probably the better example, uh, even than the really, really great first episode of Justified City Primeval, of like, how this thing is going to pace out. It's a procedural, baby. Justified's a procedural. We're getting into some procedural action here. Yeah, we are. Uh, and we're, we're going to solve crimes. We're going to make sure we get the warrant. We're going to make sure we've got everything lined up so we can make things stick we're going to work with lawyers we're going to look at the day-to-day -day of what the cops are doing the law enforcement officers this is justified this is justified in another time and in another place uh but with at least one of the same characters and a lot of the same vibes so it is not surprising at all to me uh that it slides right back into the format Obviously, this is more of a big bad type season, justified early on, especially had a lot more of these episodes where Raylan might meet an Oklahoma wild man type in one episode uh, and have dispatched with that character by the end of that one episode. Sometimes, uh, although more rarely, it would happen over a series of two or three episodes. And then sometimes it would take the course of a whole season uh, for a confrontation that was brewing uh, with Raylan and one of these characters uh, to really come to a head. Uh, and so having Clement Manzel as sort of a big bad lined up for what looks to be this whole season makes total sense and is in very much in keeping with what Justify did throughout its run. Uh, you just uh, inspired me to to Google uh, justified villains ranked, and of course this exists. Uh, did you uh, write it? Is my question. I, I did not. I did not. I feel ashamed. It's recent. It feels like something you could have written and forgotten about. For sure. Uh, definitely. Like years ago, I would have just filed this away and never would have known. I guess it's possible. I did do some writing about justified uh, back in the day, but I think mostly they were they were they were interviews. Not to brag. Uh, not to not to not to get too uh, too uptight about this. Uh, July thirteenth, twenty twenty three over at up rocks the villains of the original justified series ranked from crow to crowder uh do you want to take a guess at who's the bottom ranked villain of the original run of justified how many are on the list 
uh, 29. But there 29? are some that are there are some that are grouped together. Oh gosh, who is the worst? Twenty nine uh, is a grouping of characters. It's a grouping of characters. One might okay. say it's a murder of. Yes, characters. I was. I, well, uh, Daryl Crow. When I asked how many were on the list, Daryl Crow was at the top of my mind as what would be the worst. <laughs> yeah. When you said twenty nine, I thought there's no way he's the worst of twenty nine. Yeah, uh, this is from uh, the Uprocks article written by Brian Grubb. The less said about the Florida branch of the Crow crime family, the better. Do mostly to. Michael Rappaport's attempt at a Southern accent, which came in at a solid seven on the Foghorn Leghorn Index. Note <laughs> the Foghorn Leghorn Index only goes to five. <laughs> I say, I say, I resemble that remark. Yeah, most of these uh, bottom-ranked villains are these groupings of characters. So that's 29. 27 is assorted Crowder family members, disciples, and henchmen. And 26 is the Harlan Illuminati. The first character who appears on the list just as like a single character is in the 28th spot. Uh, your old realtor uh, pal and mine, Gary? Gary Hawkins. No respect. No respect oh, for Gary Gary a full-on villain is just brutal. Like, yeah. He's not that villainous, yeah. surely. Yeah, tough deal. Tough. We deal. know who number one is, but is Win Duffy number two? Uh, let's see. Let's see where Win Duffy is. You want me to spoil this for you? I'm happy to. Oh. I'm happy to spoil it for you. Uh, I, the thing that was really inspiring me to look this up was I wanted to remember who the uh, who the the dude from Dexter played uh, Fletcher the Ice Pick Nick. Oh yeah, he's like yeah, the yeah. character that comes to mind when I'm thinking of like just like bad guys of the week, uh, bad guys of yep. the week baked in to these larger story arcs that are focusing on one or a couple of sets of main primary antagonists, whether it's your, uh, your Crowder, uh, you know, the Crowders of the season one or the Bennett's of season two, so on and so forth. Um, and I'm, I'm really hoping that we will get that here in, in city primeval right now. It really does seem we're in the early stages yet, Antonio, that we got to be focusing up on, building out the new Boyd in the form of Boyd Holbrook. Uh, so always got to be a Boyd on Justified, I guess. Ready-made Boyd. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Let's hear it for the Boyd. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it, it is a Justified Hallmark, to be sure, and not a Hallmark movie. Uh, it is a Justified Hallmark. Three. To have the and it's an Elmore Leonard hallmark to have who is number three when Duffy's number Wind three Duffy number three when Duffy number three is number two Ava Crowder it's not oh who's number Boyd two? Crowder obviously number one that's very yeah. clear uh, number two uh, Emmy winner herself Margot Martindale okay well Max all right Bennett. one and done sure yeah. I can I can accept that I can accept that I mean queen uh, of the one and dones I think that makes yeah. Sense. Yeah. Yes, character actress Margaret sure. Martindale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's right. But yeah, I mean, it's it, like we were saying, it's a hallmark of Elmore Leonard, hallmark of Justified to have these memorable villains. Uh, it isn't, of course, just uh, Boyd Holbrook. It isn't just Clement Manziel here uh, that we've got. I mean, I think it would be fair to say that Raylan maybe has a type uh, when it comes to looking at a certain type of femme fatale uh, in Sandy Stanton, played by Adelaide Clements. Uh, that's here. not a drink I've ever heard of. It's just it sounds like some of the name you'd read in the newspaper or movie star. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Sandy or a Stanton police report. or police report. Uh, and yeah. that's ultimately where Wendell had read about her uh, and remembers uh, as they're sitting there. I like to think that uh, in, in when you read the book, that scene, it's like there is a there is the, the process of remembering is going on while that's happening, while the interactions with her are happening. It's like, where do I know that name from? Oh, and oh, you know what? I'm going to say Clement Manziel now because I remembered. Right. Uh, and that's pretty much what we have happen with Wendell here uh, in that scene. Uh, but 
in the moment, uh, of course, it's not fully with with you not reading the book. You're not realizing like he's processing this. He's thinking about it. He's going to come up with it. It's just going to take him some time because he's tired. He says in both episodes, I'm tired. And there's never a reason really given why. Like this guy is just ready to retire uh, in the press kit uh, when that was sent out uh, with the show. Uh, and in advance of the show, uh, the descriptions of the characters, I feel like are a really good look at uh, what we're going to get uh, from the character or a quick summary. And for yep. Wendell Robinson, it says Detroit Police Department detective, 37 seconds from retirement. Been there, <laughs> done that. And if he keeps his head low, he will soon be able to put up his feet in Margaritaville, uh -huh. Jimmy Buffett's retirement community in Florida. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he even says it when we're talking about Detective Raymond Cruz, who very excited for the name drop. We get to see him very briefly at the start of episode two. That's the pro tag of City Prime Evil, the book. This is the guy whose spot Raylan Kiven stole. Yeah. So yeah. I, I was thrilled to see that he's at least going to be somehow, some way a participant in the story he's talked about in this episode as well um but i think that like you get the sense that wendell even if like he's talking about like i don't know where raymond cruz is he's probably fishing and drinking margaritas like he's fantasizing about what it is he's gonna do someday when he's able yes. to get off the clock um, yeah but even within that this dude's shrewd uh he's very shrewd he's able to piece things together quickly he summons the name clement manzel very quickly just from his interaction with sandy um you know they're they're very, uh, I don't know if it's that they're really great at tailing uh, Sandy or Sandy's just really bad of get, getting rid of the damn tail uh, that I don't know which, <laughs> which one it is. Uh, but I feel like I want to give some credit to Wendell and Raylan on this one. Uh, and I think even Wendell being so creative as to think outside the box and consider an option four that maybe she just pulled over to the side of the road to pee. Uh, I was impressed. I liked Wendell. I thought Wendell was really good. As for why he's always tired, it's drinking matcha like yeah on, stronger stuff than this my friend yeah that's true uh but he uh he's great and it's great to see that Raylan sort of slides into this relationship with him uh that is uh, there's ball breaking going on immediately like oh you're gonna put her in the trunk you know like immediately like i'm not didn't sound like what you did uh, with that guy who tried to carjack you was very cool slim but uh i'll work with you uh and they're sliding into like a the relationship that we often see between these law enforcement officers. And that was a hallmark of justified. There's that word again yeah. uh, with Raylan and Tim and Rachel uh, just break them in art as well. Just breaking balls and really just uh, going after each other with digs. Uh, it's the way that people show affection seemingly in this show, uh, in these roles. But there also there is a difference. I mean, these two are similar in that they're both law enforcement officers, but they're different in terms of how they look at Sandy, for example. Uh, Raylan looks at Sandy and says, she's cute. Uh, I think she's got potential. Uh, and Robinson says, I think she's one of those own worst enemy types. And I think to myself, I think Raylan has a type and it does yeah. seem to be this type. Yeah, I mean, she's very comfortably put alongside the Ava Crowders of the world, the Winona's, uh, Raylan's ex-wife. Uh, you could see that between Raylan and Sandy instantly, potentially. And Sandy's feeling similarly, potentially, towards Raylan. You know, yeah. she's going to be talking about Raylan. Like, he's actually kind of cute. He was very polite, you know, all this stuff. And uh, Clement is uh, not thrilled to hear it. He's very, uh, I feel like... Uh, 
uh, intimidated by this, threatened uh, by this assessment, so much so that he needs to immediately uh, deliver some medicine to uh, to Sandy. I guess not immediately. The medicine comes later, uh, is what we yeah, come There to was hear. some earlier medicine. Yes. Uh, there was some earlier medicine. Medicine was in the first episode. No medicine yes. in the second episode. Though, man, like a lot of Boyd Holbrook just in those tidy whities And one thing, I watched this episode twice. One thing I noticed on the second watch, that I don't know how I didn't clock on the first one, is he like scratches his junk with the gun uh yeah. like that is a dangerous thing to do sir uh <laughs> what are you doing man i guess the oklahoma wild man would do something like this tells yeah, you a lot that he'd be willing to just like scratch his junk with a gun i think yeah. that tells you so much about who this guy is like his view of himself is like Oh, shit, I've gotten away with everything so far. <laughs> May as well scratch my junk with a gun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Know. You know, but but it, it does speak to the danger and it speaks to the insanity. Uh, a lot of things do. When the police, when uh, when Wendell and Raylan first come to brace Sandy because someone has seen the car associated with the guy whose place they're staying in, who is yet another of Sandy's marks, Del Weems. Uh, they they track the car back to this address. They're talking to Sandy. Clement is in the other room, shirtless, uh, just in his underwear, just waiting. You know, he doesn't try to run. He doesn't cause a confrontation. He's just chilling in there, listening. And, uh, oh, they want the keys. Well, you can give him the keys if you want. You know, he's just... Seemingly, had a, there was a fender bender, you know. Yeah. When you when you when you think back to the beginning of episode two, as you described, when we go back to 2017, this is a guy who already beat the rap on a triple murder. You're going to beat the rap on a multiple homicide case. You're probably the kind of guy who does feel a little bit Teflon in that regard, who feels yeah. like he can get away with things uh, and feels like he can kind of just do what he wants, whether that's steal a car randomly uh, or whether that's execute someone in a road rage incident. This is just a guy who thinks he can get away with it and he thinks he can because he has. So that uh, that is who he is. And it's difficult and it's dangerous. And I think people from the relief of an arm's length or more away can look at him and say uh, he's really dangerous. Uh, when Raylan and Sa and Raylan Wendell are talking about Sandy, uh, there's the quote, maybe over, maybe in over her head is where she wants to be. Yeah. Uh, and so she is in over her head with the Oklahoma wild man, but she is also her own person. Uh, and I think this is a very important carryover from the book uh, that Sandy is in over her head, seemingly with the Oklahoma wild man with Clement. But she is very much capable of thinking on her feet, acting on her feet. Uh, she was very easily tailed here, but I note that she didn't do anything illegal when she was tailed, except maybe buy a little weed from Sweetie. And that's already legal in Michigan anyway. Can you eat smoking and driving? This is kosher. Uh, I don't think it's kosher. I don't yeah. think a rabbi blessed that. No. Yeah, I don't think the rabbi blessed that one either. Uh, <laughs> the um, the scene in the misdemeanor. She only does misdemeanors. How about that? <laughs> oh, I, that's Mrs. Demeanor to you. Uh, you know, I I loved the uh, the scene in the loft uh, for a lot of the reasons. The dialogue is really sharp. Everything's really great there. Um, but the you you mentioned uh, Clement just like being in the walk-in closet while all of this is going on very confidently. There is the moment where I believe it's after he has like scratched himself with the gun. Uh, he's just pointing the gun at the door, like a just in case. Uh, or maybe it's even like, you know, it's like playtime for him. I don't really know what the vibe is. But on the other side of that door is Raylan Givens staring the door down. And these yeah. are two people who know that someone's on the other side of this thing yep. that could be real problematic. Uh, and I love that that spills out into the dialogue and is made canon when Raylan goes to Carolyn's office, when he is summoned there by her and meets the wild man for the first time. Their interaction is like instantly dangerous. And like 
instantly like ob- like honest without being like demonstrably provable, you know, about what the situation is. Like Clement is not projecting any attempt at innocence in the murder of Judge Guy. But he's also like, you got shit on me. Otherwise, I'd be arrested. Uh, so, you know, take your shot, big man. Uh, the thing that he says to Raylan about the two types of lawmen that are at his age are either the people who've been passed over for the big chair or the people who just love it so much out on the streets that they're going to they're going to have to drag them off. The only question is if they're breathing. This feels like a very pertinent question to ask about Raylan Givens, even yes. being trotted back out here for City Primeval. Um, yeah. You know, the original Justified ends on such a great note. Um, whether or not you want to call it one of the best series finales of all time, I think it's one of the very best final scenes of a TV series, uh, to my mind, and I think to a ton of people's minds who made it all the way through Justified would agree with that assessment that we dug cold together. Of made it me cry on my last rewatch. Yeah, it's incredible. It's just such a so good, good, such a good moment. And the story feels well and fully told at that point. And yet this man just can't quit. And like, I think that that's really thematic in the structure of this show of like justifying the, the reason for city primeval being a Raylan Givens show. So much is baked into the very premise of Raylan is a guy who just doesn't know how to quit because of that chip on his shoulder. It's almost as big as the hat on his head. Uh, and I think that Clement clocks this dude. He, I know it's Raylan who physically clocks uh, Clement by the end of the episode, but he reads him. He reads him for filth. He reads the book, Antonio. He reads the book. Speaking of the book, it is important that the Oklahoma wild man be smart and be savvy like this because it is a one-to-one uh, with the character from the book who is smart enough to know they don't have shit on me. They can't. I'd be arrested already. Who is smart enough to read these people, to to line them up. Uh, rewatching Justified, you see someone like Boone, a character from the late part of the final season who isn't smart. Uh, who thinks he is uh, and who wants to engineer the same kind of confrontations that maybe Raylan does, but who ultimately is not smart. Uh, He's dumb. He thinks he knows better. And it is, in fact, his thinking that he knows better. That does him in. Uh, And the Oklahoma wild man seemingly is not like this. Uh, He is. uh, He's different gravy, as they say. Uh, And that plays out. Uh, He is smart enough to know the kind of people he needs to surround himself with uh, to also get away with these things and be smart. And that brings me, Josh, to another character who seems incredibly smart and who is popping off the page as somebody who immediately is able to size up uh, the right things to do and the way to assess trouble. And that's uh, attorney Carolyn Wilder. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the Anjanou Ellis character here who uh, is crossing paths with Raylan a few times in these two episodes already. Uh, And you got to wonder, is she one of these people who is also in over her head? And is that exactly where she wants to be? Um, She's connected to Sweetie, uh, Vondi Curtis Hall's character, who is really compelling. uh, And what a what a great actor. And I think immediately such a great performance of Sweetie of this guy who were getting Wendell's assessment of him of like, you could have been like a music legend. You could have been an absolute stud, but you got busted. Uh, and like your whole life's trajectory changed from that moment forward. Sweetie and uh, sweetie and um, Carolyn are clearly tight. Uh, there is a closeness between these two that you get just in that first episode, but especially in the second episode. And one of the things that we hear when the two of them are both kind of like, I can't believe this guy's back in town. And like, when this guy comes to town, death is in the air. A certain kind of chaos, a godly chaos is in the air. And Sweetie's really worried about it. 
And whether or not Carolyn is like super worried about it or not is up for debate. She seems pretty calm and casual, like literally just like screw him, whatever. Like we'll be fine. We're going to be okay here. Um, but she does say to Sweetie in this moment um, that uh, she uh, that that Clement's whole deal is like you got to keep representing me or I'm going to tell on Sweetie. Uh, like I'll sell Sweetie down the river if you don't keep doing your job for me. So. There is like, you know, some sort of sword that's hanging over uh, Carolyn's head through all of this. And I just think the way that she plays this, uh, you know, there's a lot of aggressive things happening in her life beyond just Clement. It seems like she's on the other side of a nasty, not only divorce, but a business breakup, too. Uh, that Jamal, her ex, was not just her ex-husband, but her ex-partner at the law firm. And he defrauded uh, the law firm. He defrauded the community. And she's just like, screw you, dude. Uh, so, I don't know, Carolyn, great character right away, I think. Great character right away. Right away, a great uh, person to have interacting with Raylan. Uh, somebody who sees him for what he is, maybe. Uh, is intrigued, maybe, a little bit uh, by what he is. But sees him for what he is. Is able to read him just and, and ruin him, destroy him in court right away. Uh, and it's like a greatest hits Raylan playbook there. Where it's like, oh, you mean you went and did something with a family member or something out of uh, the course of business while you had fugitives in your car? Uh, when have I seen that before? Except pretty much every season of Justified. Yeah. Oh, you threw one of them in the trunk on a hot day? Like, when have I seen that before? Except probably like every season of Justified. This is the Raylan Givens who shoots Dewey Crow's pool for no reason other than he's just kind of being a jerk. Uh, and for uh, for Carolyn to immediately size up uh, what Raylan is up to and make that a point of contention in a legal way and ultimately win, best him in court uh, right away. This is somebody who it's like, oh, okay. So uh, this is somebody who is up to, the, up to the task of matching Raylan Givens and seeing their interactions. In the second episode especially, uh, you mentioned mentioned there's the scene where uh, the Oklahoma wild man where Clement Manziel is in Carolyn's office having become aware of Raylan and become aware that Raylan is looking out looking out for what's going on at Del Ween's pet house uh, the the interactions there play out the way they play out and then Raylan witnesses something he witnesses Clement kind of grabbing Carolyn after he leaves the room and pulling her in and saying something to her. Uh, and then Raylan goes back in to check on her. So it's like, yeah. are you okay? Like, you what's good. going on? Are yeah. you, you good? You good? You know? And she's like, yeah, you know, I, I know what you do. You know what I do. Like we, we understand each other. We're, we understand where we're at here. Uh, let's just leave it. I'm fine. You know, like that is, uh, uh, you know, my job, you know, you, you know, my job, Marshall, I know yours. Uh, so she's shaking it off. She's tough. Uh, she's made a pretty, uh, stern stock, but, she is wrapped up, uh, not just with Sweetie uh, and not just with her ex, uh, but with Clement Manziel. Uh, and it is unclear to the degree that her commitments to Sweetie uh, and her relationship there, her feeling like she owes him or or whatever that is, whatever that history is, uh, whatever what happened with her husband uh, and then her previous uh, defending of the Oklahoma Wildman and beating that case on a technicality, uh, whether or not these things are all interconnected, how they'll crash together. Uh, and if she will be good uh, by the end of the series or not, uh, and to what extent she may need Raylan's help or ask for it or not need it uh, or help Raylan, um, it's still unclear after these two episodes. But setting those two characters uh, in the places that they have uh, really set us up for that. Uh, and so I'm excited about that. And you mentioned, Sweetie, uh, Vondi Curtis Hall. I just watched him get killed in Broken Arrow the other night. I forgot I was, uh, that he was in it, and I forgot that he got killed. Spoilers yeah. for Broken Arrow. Sorry, Troy. 
No, I mean, he is like, I was just going to say, he's in like Romeo and Juliet. Like yeah. he's in uh, 90s movies. I've been seeing him uh, forever, 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 yeah. forever. And he's been in prestige TV shows since before there was prestige TVs in China Beach. Uh, one of considered to be one of like the first big prestige shows. He was in ER. Uh, he just has been uh, in one off episodes of so many different shows uh, from The Sopranos on up, Law and Orders and, and everything uh, to see him get a full season here uh, as uh, Sweetie in Justify City Primeval. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I think the last thing I saw him as a regular in was Daredevil, Josh. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. don't want to think about that, to be honest with you. So much that it's I loved right. about season one of Daredevil, so much that I loved about him as the character that he played in Daredevil. Maybe not so thrilled about the way that that ended for... Yeah, we don't no, yeah, we, 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 we shouldn't talk about that. Don't also, also a director, Vondi Curtis Hall. So, like, he's... Uh, and he is a Detroit through and through, I should say. So, it's really great that we've got such a... Like, a heavyweight uh, from Detroit itself playing a heavyweight character in Detroit uh, in yep. City Primeval. So, really thrilled uh, to see that character uh, and to see that come to screen. Another thing that I was really excited to see come to screen was his bar. Uh, when you read the book, it is described in like a specific detail. You kind of feel like you're in there with the music and the pressed tin on the ceilings and uh, the dark uh, kind of vibes uh, with the low lighting and everything. It just has a vibe. It has a real vibe. And to see how that was translated painstakingly to the show, uh, I was super hyped on that. Uh, to have the location of Sweetie's Bar be in the show pretty much from the jump uh, right away, getting, getting the bar there uh, and getting to experience everything that was uh, a vivid uh, and memorable part of the book uh so having that uh be there uh it's just like the show is in detroit it's unquestionably in detroit we see uh probably second unit footage of some of things like the Ren center uh and some of these other detroit landmarks uh but uh some of these interiors uh are meant to convey as much of that vibe i, I just kind of want to stay at sweetie's bar i want sweetie's bar playlist that's what i want yeah i'm sure we can assemble that by the end of the show yes. avengers assemble we can do that we can do that we should do that so we have not really talked all that much about the fact that Raylan Givens is a daddy officially. <laughs> uh, and Unofficially do, was forever. And I do think that one of the one of the central tensions of this show is can you be a deputy and a daddy uh, here in Justified City Primeval? But you of keep course, saying it that way. We are meeting we're meeting Raylan's daughter here as a teenager, Willa played by Timothy Oliphant's teenage daughter, Vivian Oliphant. So I'm curious, Antonio, what you think of getting to explore Raylan as a father. This is a really loaded premise, considering who Raylan's father was and his relationship with his parents uh, not being super great, uh, certainly with his relationship with his dad not being super great and being constantly disappointed by Arlo, uh, brilliantly played by Raymond Barry in uh, the original run of Justified. You got to imagine that like Arlo has to be a little bit on the mind as Raylan is just palpably disappointing Willa left and right in these two episodes. Uh, like He's just not available to her in the way that he would have probably loved to have had a parent available to him. He isn't. Uh, I think there's some pride, though, when uh, initially when the incident is brought up where she broke some girl's nose, she deserved it. There's a big smile on Raylan's face uh, when Willis says that's my that. girl. <laughs> Yeah, that's my girl. Like, I understand that rage. It was justified, wasn't it, Willa? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, like, yes. Yeah, it it uh it really like I love that. I love that moment. And there are a couple other moments where Raylan's like, you don't even call, you only text, and you don't do that much anymore. Uh, and it's like I 
feel kind of like Raylan would like to be a bigger part of his her life than maybe he has been, uh, or maybe he's been permitted to. There is a passing reference to Winona uh, where uh, Willa basically says, like, uh, she and the stash go to the Caribbean and I get sent to conversion therapy, uh, is what she's saying in the, the car. Stash. So. Uh, presumably that's uh, that's Winona's husband. I can't remember his name, but we Did we got to look at him. We, yeah, that would be incredible. Wait, is uh, that where Sam Elliott's mustache went? It hopped <laughs> off his face and married Winona. Avery Markham, yes, the Avery Markham missing mustache uh, jumped out. Yeah, married Winona, and now they're in the Caribbean just together, hanging out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the uh, the idea of the fact that she probably lives with uh, with Winona uh, and that Raylan maybe isn't as active a part of her life. We see visitation going on in the end of Justified, in the four years later bit uh, at the end of the final season of Justified. We see Raylan visiting with her and we know he has relocated to Florida to be closer to her. So it is not like they are totally estranged and that they're coming back together on this trip. It's more like Raylan is stuck holding the bag uh, when some discipline needs to happen and when there maybe needs to to be a little bit of an intervention in terms of behavior. Uh, it is Raylan who is doing that uh, with regard to getting her to camp and everything. And now uh, that takes that trip takes on a whole new meaning. And this father-daughter bonding takes on a whole new meaning. I really like the way the second episode ends uh, with Vivian Oliphant, uh, the way that she's looking out at uh, Raylan starting to cry, having really seen him land those six hits. Uh, and Having just had probably what was a very charming dinner with that gross Oklahoma wild man uh, who is an attractive man, there's no question about it, who uh, to a 15-year-old girl probably came off as dangerous but attractive and interesting and a friend of her father's who could tell her more about her father. She does not Chicken fat to- taken right out of the book, by the way. Chicken fat. Yes, chicken fat. Great. I love that so, so, so it's much. It's one of Clement's favorite things to call anyone. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, and something that he does with Ray Cruz on multiple occasions. Yeah. So really great to see that. Um, but she does not seem to be oppositional uh, to her father. She wants to know more about where they're from. She wants to go to Harlan. And Raylan is doing anything possible to avoid going to Harlan when they're plotting out how they'll leave Detroit. Raylan's like, well, we could go to Graceland. We could just go right on down to Memphis. And it's like, I'm thinking to myself as a person who less, literally grew up, you know, 15 miles yeah, from you knew, you know the, the, area. Yeah. the road that goes from Detroit to Miami directly, Interstate 75 there is one route and it will take you south from lexington uh, and it will take you to where you're going to get off the road and drive to harlan so uh it is ridiculous that raylan would want to take any other route to get from detroit to miami uh, but he's doing anything possible to avoid going through harlan to avoid dealing with that and it is willa who wants that she wants to know where they're from she wants to know more about her dad she wants to hang out she's enjoying hearing uh, fake stories about his time at glencoe uh as chicken fat uh, so it is uh, it is not like your traditional oppositional relationship. Uh, it is an interesting father daughter relationship that's on display. Uh, I've not I think this might be Vivian Oliphant's like first uh, performance. So I think it's difficult for me uh, as an amateur uh, to judge uh, what she's doing on the screen. Yeah. But I'm fascinated by the dynamic um, that is present uh, between a real father and daughter uh, as actor and actor uh, and a screen father and daughter as Raylan and Willa. I'm just fascinated to think about that dynamic and uh, the way that that plays out on screen. So uh, I'm looking forward to more of that. I do think that um, 
some of the down moments of the second episode where Willa is sort of yes. wandering around by herself. This um, is um, this is kind of on my list of if I have a list of concerns and I don't have a, a long one, and I think like it actually might just be this uh, yeah. is are we going to kind of like have to do like sort of the wayward Willa storyline and like, right. how do how do we fold Willa in deeper into the story? Who do you associate with? Uh, who do you associate her with? Like, it is a little hard for me to figure out like, what is the natural path to continue including her in the story in ways that are anything other than what we got here in episode two, where she herself, the character is so bored uh, that she like, you know, she's watching TV upside down for what seems like hours. It's a really uncomfortable position to be watching TV in for so long. I feel like, uh, yeah. and like, she's just got to wander and like buy fake Rolexes. And like, I guess part of it is like uh, chip off the old block, you know, Apple didn't fall far from the tree. She's no dummy. She can spot a fraud. Uh, so she's a lot like her dad in that way. But then she very quickly is just kind of brought into like, either she's bored and the story is not really doing much or she's kind of getting into damsel in distress mode, which we've already done now here in episode two. So I'm a little bit worried about how they're going to continue bringing her along for the ride uh, as we move forward through the show. Though my hope would be, actually, I don't even know if this is what I would want. And this is a weird position to be in. It's like, maybe she would be our gateway to Harlan. Maybe she would be our gateway to bringing some old justified into the new justified. What if she got on Interstate 75, Antonio, and went back to her roots and this show secretly had some sort of Harlan County component? Um, part of me would love that. And then another part of me feels like eyes on the prize. Like we got to see can can justified stand the stress test of can it leave Harlan alive? Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think it can, but I'm also uh, I'm also okay if it can't. You know, I'm also okay if we have to go back to Harlan at some point or bring some of those characters. And I'd love to see Winona again uh, if there is an issue to pull her out of the uh, the the convenient vacation, shall we say, that kept her off screen or has kept her off screen so far. Uh, I'd love to see some of those characters again uh, and tie it in in that way. Uh, but I don't have to. But what I don't want is just like the boredom of Willa uh, being put on display over and over again, because yeah. then there will be boredom from the audience. So that's the only part where it's just like, okay, I get it now. I'm, I'm feeling the character. I understand what her role is. Uh, I don't need her to be constantly in peril. And I don't know, need her to be uh, in the crosshairs of the Oklahoma wild man at all times. Uh, but on the other hand, like I also don't need her to just be a drag. I'm interested to see. I like when she buys the drink uh, for for Carolyn and buys the dumbest drink on the menu. I thought that was cute. I thought it was yeah. clever. I thought it was charming. Uh, and it's drink, interesting. Yeah. It's it's interesting to see Raylan being sort of undone. Uh, you know this this ultimate cool tough guy, right? Like he just you couldn't knock him over uh, if you tried. He's just the the coolest guy going, uh, and a teenager making fun of him. Uh, it, it was not something that I had expected to necessarily see in the future for Raylan Givens, uh, but it's something that I'm here for. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Uh, it's it's like the like I have notes and I roll up and I look I'm like I have note, you know, so like that's it. <laughs> that's basically it. Everything else I'm really, really enjoying. You know, my maybe some of my lingering notes from Justified are slowly getting addressed here in these first couple of episodes, which is like flesh out the supporting cast uh, yeah. is something, you know, and specifically flesh out Raylan's colleagues. And there's still, you know, a lot to be explored. We're only two episodes in and we're trying to set these people up, but 
we get like a huge dose of Wendell in this second episode. Um, I feel like you get a really decent read on Norbert, who is uh, he's the really aggressive. This is how we do it in Detroit cop in the first episode. Yep. Um, a great theatrical actor, uh, yeah. Norbert Leo Butts, who plays Norbert here in Justified City Primeval, Antonio. That's that thing where the character has the same name as the actor, which is not a thing, Josh, that they did on jury duty, except for one character for some reason. <laughs> sure, yeah. They should have done it for every character. Uh, uh, yeah, an Norbert... extensive, uh, an extensive theatrical background. Yes. Antonio, in 2011, he was Agent Carl Hanratty in the theatrical version of Catch Me If You Can. Okay, okay. I know he played uh, Freddy uh, from Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, a.k.a. Ruprecht. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'd heard about that from Norbert Leo Butts. Seems like a name you would really get into, by the way. You For sure. No doubt. Uh, yeah. So he's like, you know, he's he seems like he's sort of like he's a he's a shithead cop. <laughs> like, what else are yeah. you going to say? Shithead cop. He's like, uh, you know, pounding the door into the face of the Wolverine militia man who is about to surrender. He sicks the dog, uh, the not quite a German shepherd on the other member of the Wolverine yeah. militia and yeah. tells Raylan to get your phone out and film this for your daughter. Like, yeah, some shit. So, like, I yeah, feel like scumbag. I know that guy. I feel like I yeah. know that guy uh Raylan for which, whatever it's worth is like he's really not into this guy even though you feel like an earlier version of Raylan Gibbons is probably doing these exact same things yeah that's true it's true uh we we had seen Norbert Leo Butts on Bloodline but uh if you haven't seen him you said he's a a, a Broadway actor and, and got an extensive resume that's true Josh he's one of only nine actors to have ever won the lead actor Tony Award twice for best Whoa, actor. Whoa, is that right? Yep, he's oh one of gosh. only nine. He first won it for that role in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, and then he won it again for Catch Me If You Can. Incredible. Uh, and he's been nominated for other Tony Awards. Like this guy is, uh, he's got a, a great resume. Uh, and so to see him in this role as, like you said, the kind of guy that is just kind of a jerk, but that Raylan might have got a kick out of in the past, uh, you, the connection there is not lost on me. That uh, there are these moments where there are character moments, ultimately, for the Raylan that we know now uh, that are popping up in and around Norbert. Uh, first, there is the moment when one of the other police officers says, who's in charge here? Uh, and uh, Norbert and Raylan both say, I am. Uh, and then Raylan points at Norbert and says he is instead of saying I am or big timing anything. Raylan is perfectly comfortable to say, you know what? It's it's him. It's not me. I don't care. I don't need this. I'm not trying to big time anything here. I'm not getting in his way. Let him be the one uh, who needs to be the big swinging D. Let him do that. So um, then later when they're trying to bust in uh, and break the door down and do the police thing, uh, Raylan kind of looks at the door and has hold on a second. And he just opens it up. Like this is a this is maybe a different Raylan Givens in a little way. A guy who's happy enough to take the back seat, happy enough to stay out of the way, happy enough to go along to get along with the other law enforcement officers, not so far doing his own thing. You mentioned earlier the moment when he goes down the hallway to the uh, the closet where the Oklahoma wild man's hanging out uh, and they're both on both sides of the door, knowing that the other one's there old school Raylan Givens could have kicked that door in uh, later on when Norbert is uh, when Raylan is talking to uh, the bomber, the person who bombed judge guy's car. Uh, and he's down in the basement, having taken his own mother as a hostage. Raylan talks him up. He doesn't want to shoot him. He doesn't. This is not a Raylan Givens who is like encouraging the guy to draw on him so he can put him down, which is something we've seen from Raylan over and over and over again. Yeah, do you want to leave? Do you want to leave here in an SUV or do you want to leave here via the afterlife? 
life is some yeah. you know paraphrasing what he says yeah this is not uh this is not a Raylan Givens who is looking to engineer death, which it was before. Uh and yet it is Norbert, uh, who as soon as the guy pokes his head out the door, having essentially surrendered to Raylan, kicks the door in his face, knocks the guy down the steps, and says, That's how we do it in Detroit. It's like, <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Maybe well, I don't want to visit Detroit. Yeah, that's how you get on that's how you go viral in Detroit. Yeah. Uh, police brutality so uh anyway it is a it's an interesting character uh in and of itself but it is a fascinating character to juxtapose uh next to Raylan, this norbert character because it's giving Raylan the opportunity to not be the hothead to not be the person who's looking to engineer the violence uh to just sit back and let these other people do their thing yeah how do you feel like the show is interrogating itself as a police show as a cop drama i think that there's this moment where Raylan is on the stand in the first episode and Carolyn is really grilling him. And she's like, you were going to put a black man in the trunk of a car. Raylan has a, I, w- I was prepared to do it to a white man as well. Uh, you've got Raylan watching Norbert's behavior. He seems like he is in some sense, like fly on the wall for some of these really aggressive, horrible tactics that you're seeing in this show that shouldn't be surprising to anybody anymore. And yet he's still Raylan Givens, super cop in in many ways. Uh, I think it's I think it's interesting that the show seems to be trying to like get in on this conversation, but I'm not quite sure how yet it wants to really like wedge its way in there. Nor am I. Uh, and look, we're in, the the times are the same in terms of like police brutality has always been terrible and it is not a new thing. Uh, but the times are very different in terms of the way that the mirror is reflecting yep. some of the things that are happening in our culture uh, and the recognition of that uh, from the powers that be, from the people who are in positions to uh, take what is ultimately prestige television on a mainline cable channel and streamer uh, and make points like that. The opportunity is there for Justified to have a little bit of a reckoning on this uh, outlaw character of Raylan Givens. He's an outlaw cop, right? He wears the hat and he walks around like a like he is in Deadwood wearing the star uh, and ready to just draw on a moment's notice and shoot somebody at high noon. Uh, and we did talk about how uh, the city primeval, like the, the tagline involves the idea of high noon uh, and how like this, this Western style thing is part of that. But those two things, the Western style uh, face off uh, vigilante justice or street justice, and modern police brutality don't really mesh very well. So it is a question of like, what are Raylan's motives? How is he going to operate? And how are the other police around him going to operate? And I think Norbert presents a very particular line of that. I do think there's a nice juxtaposition, at least early on, uh, with regard to the care that should be given to the task uh, with Maureen Downey, uh, played by a mayor in Ireland, who we don't get a ton from in these first couple of episodes. But one thing we do know is that she feels really bad badly uh, because she is the one who was working uh, as a CI, uh, the judge's uh, assistant, uh, yeah, ultimately. Right. And she's like, I put her in that car. That, that's that's my fault. Like, I did that. Uh, and so Rose Doyle is dead on a golf course, I think. At least I think that's what it was in the show. The whole know it was in the book. used to be. Yes. Yeah. Whole where her face used to be because of uh, in, in I think she's blaming herself because of what Maureen Downey's actions were as a police officer, as a law enforcement officer. So I think we're seeing some of that guilt. I think we're seeing some of that. I did not intend for this violence to happen. I don't want this violence to happen. We're seeing a, a little bit of another side of the coin from the guy uh, from Norbert, who's like, I can't wait for the violence to happen. You should film it on your phone. 
because your kid will want to see it. Like there's two sides to this coin. Uh, and I think it's very interesting to see those two juxtaposed to one another. And then of course, Wendell is just like, I'm too tired. for this. Like, <laughs> 37 seconds. My, my oh, macho is like, you know, come on. Um, yeah. Yeah. So there yeah. You go. I don't know if we're 37 seconds away from retiring the podcast, Antonio, but why don't we, let's, let's uh, shift into some free hits. Let's uh, yeah. punch this thing six more times uh, and see if there's anything else that we haven't talked about that we want to dredge up here. We're going to have a lot of, a, a lot of room to talk about justified over the next several weeks. And I think one of the great things about, this show is like each episode like there's a lot in there but also like they could be slight you know an episode of justified so i think that there's going to be a lot of room for us to have a lot of fun conversations and what we don't pick up today we can pick up tomorrow so i'm not that worried about missing things on this one though i think i'll be really upset with myself if we don't talk about uh clement mansell aspiring uh rock star yeah uh, he seems to just take the car. You observed this uh, with me when we were talking pre-show. Like He seems to take this man's car in his first scene of the show, specifically because he has a tape deck with which he can play this recording of himself doing the White Stripes Seven Nation Army, uh, which is absolutely just Boyd Holbrook singing Seven Nation Army. And then it's at, on tape, and then it's absolutely Boyd Holbrook singing Seven Nation Army in the car. He's just double tracking and it's ridiculous. It's great. Yeah, uh, it's this great. Is, what a what a note. What a what a strange detail about this guy, this total sociopath who just like he loves to sing. He's he's an artist. He wants to be a musician. He's a wannabe. And he's that kind of creative where he doesn't let other people in on his stuff, right? Sandy hasn't heard it. Sweetie hasn't heard it. Nobody knows if he's any good at what he does or not uh, because he keeps it very close, uh, except uh, he will sing it to himself in the car. Yeah, I don't know if that's that, that. That seems to be the kicker of why he steals the car. Clearly, he pulls up behind the car when there are no other cars anywhere around in sight at that filling station, probably with the intent uh, to swap cars. Uh, it is the tape deck that seems to put him over the top the oklahoma wild man in the book a prolific car thief over yeah. 200 times i think he's, he's tracked how many different cars he's stolen or driven i'm sure we're going to get some of that in this show because we've already seen him with three cars in two episodes uh with del weems's car and then the two cars the one he drives to the okay. gas station and the one he drives big away. big question i have for you right now antonio um how many cars will the oklahoma wild man have before the end of the series more than the amount of times he was punched in the face by Raylan in this episode well, this or good. less yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm going to go with same. Can I go with push? Under. I'm going to go with a hit push. I'm going to go with six. Yeah. Like, I think he's going to have six cars. Are we counting uh, the revolving gonna... door hit as one of the punches? Because if so, we got to we gotta jack that up to seven. Okay, then it'll be under. I think okay. he's going to have six. So if yeah. we're counting the revolving door hit, we're going yeah. to go with seven. All right, six, six, six cars. Six cars. Yeah, six cars. We're, we'll the keep track. Number. The devil's we'll car. Keep tra- <laughs> we'll keep track. Devil's number on the car. Yeah. We will keep track uh, to see how many he has. But yeah, prolific car thief. And look, Detroit, like muscle car city, right? So there should be some dope cars on display. Uh, some of Detroit's finest, hopefully, we'll get a look at uh, with the, the Oklahoma wild man tearing around town. Yeah. Uh, so here is hoping. But yeah, uh, an amateur musician, a wannabe be musician uh this is a funny detail uh to play you're, but you're clearly a competent he has... singer you know like boyd holbrook yeah. he's got pipes a uh, very yeah. very competent singer but it's like there's this is and i i feel like this is a choice is like there's nothing original uh about the way he covers this song no like, it's a one-to-one it's right. a it's a one-to-one it's karaoke and, and like it's just karaoke and so like you imagine he's like this is like my star making tape this is like a cherished possession it's like 
no, bro, you could just like bust that out at karaoke and people would be yeah. impressed. But like no one's coming to Nashville and taking you, you know, no one's taking you to Nashville. You're not going to be the Nashville wild man from this. I don't know, movie. man. Stupid freaking the, the covered wagon wheel. Uh, Darius Rucker covered wagon wheel, essentially one to one and had a bigger hit than old Crow. Well, who knows? So, yeah. Sometimes I think, I think all the murdering probably going to get in the way of this dude being a star. So, uh, yeah, you would think <laughs> you would think that murder is passed. He would not be able to escape. Speaking of not being able to escape murder, past i really like the line <laughs> when <segue>. uh <laughs> it's fantastic i'm good at this uh yeah. the i really like the line when uh when clement is talking to raylan in carolyn's office and he says you know i did some digging on you uh, and i read something about you on a rooftop with somebody in miami it's like a hey, let's look at this josh through the lens of jesse armstrong uh or other shows that are on tv can people change Raylan's incident from literally the first scene of Justified yeah. is following him around however many years later, 15 years later at least, uh, and tagged on to his interactions with anybody, with, with an everyday villain in Detroit. Uh, it's like, I looked you up, and what you're known as is the guy who killed somebody essentially in cold blood on a rooftop, uh, or who may have engineered the circumstances that led to the murder of this guy on the rooftop, that you're maybe not the cleanest guy in the world either. Raylan's reputation has preceded him, and it's preceded him with a villain and an attorney now who has heard that story as well the question that i have and that i'll be tracking throughout the rest of justified city primeval is, is did they Raylan... know what he was dressed like uh on the rooftop uh, <laughs> yes that's the, the question i have and i don't know how we're going to answer it but i'm sure we will yeah. uh, is it no. true that you looked like a creamsicle yeah yes it's, it's true that tommy bahama uh threw up when he said actually that, uh, it was khaki yeah <laughs> khaki cream uh yeah cream khaki. uh the you know the question i have is whether Raylan can uh can leave that behind uh yeah. whether Raylan can be something more uh than what he was or what he's considered to be if you just google his name and find out he's a killer uh can he be more than uh, or can he evolve from that? Can he be a daddy? Can he be something different? Uh, or can people not change? Uh, is what's going to happen in Detroit going to echo what happened in Harlan? Is it going yeah. to remind Raylan of Arlo? Is it going to remind Raylan of Boyd? Is it going to remind Raylan of all these things that you can't leave behind? Can you leave it behind or not? Can you leave behind who you are or not? Can you leave Harlan behind or not? These are things that I'm curious about whether City Primeval wants to talk about this. The fact that Tommy Bucks is brought up the, the direct reference to that first scene of Justified tells me at least that the show is interested in putting it front of mind. Yeah, uh, because I, I'm interested in seeing that about the Raylan character as well. Like I said, I love that Carolyn was able to undo him for his typical antics uh, in court and that all the other cops are saying, like, you're going to put a guy in a trunk like you're going to do this. You're going to put me in the trunk like this sort of thing. Raylan can't just get away with anymore. He can't be who he was. So can he be someone different or is he incapable and will it eat him alive? Uh, so I'm fascinated by that. I really liked that line and that story coming up. Uh, and I'm curious to track what the city primeval project has to say because they're adding the Raylan character to the story. Um, this is something that they would have had to have made a clear choice about. And I think that's also why uh, we had some concerns about what happens with the Willa character, because not only was the Raylan character entered, Ray Cruz didn't have a daughter that he was looking out for. Right. It's not like they just ported Raylan onto Ray Cruz and there was an existing daughter. The daughter is not part of this story originally either. So what is a very tight, um, very quick read, uh, very well plotted crime novel 
um, could easily be set sideways by these, uh, you know, intervening characters that weren't in the book. Wait, uh, so if Raylan Givens is the Daryl Dixon of Justified City Primeval, is Willa Merle? <laughs> could be, uh, could be. Uh, that... Chop off her handcuffed hand on a rooftop. Could be. Uh, I'm a little more concerned that uh, she's Sophia from The Walking Dead. <laughs> oh no! Uh, so that's Stay what away I'm a little from the more barn. worried about. Yeah. yeah uh, no, no, no shade on Madison Lynch, who I love from Bosch, uh, yeah. and Paul Calderon as Raymond Cruz, who I also love from Bosch. Uh, so yeah, love. I gotta, love I gotta go check out Bosch, huh? Yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds yeah. like it. Yeah, it sounds big like big Bosch it. guy over here. Antonio I love Bosch. Bosch. Yeah, big Bosch man. Anytime you want to do breaking Bosch, I'm ready. Oh, really? Um, Is that an offer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's know. an offer. Okay. Yeah, don't threaten me with a good time. Okay. Uh, but, but yeah, there. Uh, you mentioned the uh, Seven Nation Army uh, and the White Stripes. Uh, very Detroit uh, linked to Detroit based. A lot of Detroit energy there in what the white stripes are doing uh they use some sturgill simpson who is a favorite of mine music in the promos for this season justified city primeval uh, they specifically used track from an album he recorded at a motor lodge outside of detroit that has big muscle car energy uh and there are all the, there are other detroit-based uh needle drops i think throughout uh this although not exclusively throughout the first couple of episodes. But probably the most memorable needle drop, uh, other than the Seven Nation Army for me, uh, is when Time Has Come Today by the Chambers Brothers is playing uh, as Clement wipes out uh, all of the uh, drug dealers in the room except Sweetie, uh, when he and Sweetie make their escape in 2017 there. Clement says, Josh, and I have not tried this. Do you believe this, that if you play reggae too fast, it's a polka? Should we try it? We have to try, right? We have to try. All right. Uh, maybe we have to Google the, it. Maybe we have to Google like how to and do then, this. And at what speed are we talking here? Like, yeah, that's a, that's a good um, question. Maybe should we ask the listeners to select uh, a good reggae song to try this out on for next week's podcast? That would be great. Yep, we could play it. that under the QBR next time. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think that's <laughs> the yeah, where the P stands for polka. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Is that the secret to Weird Al's polka? He's just speeding up reggae. Could be. Well, I mean, Weird Al is a G. That would yeah. that would not uh, would not surprise me. Yeah, could be. Could be. Uh, yeah, music's been great here. Um, do you did uh, as some as the as the podcaster here on the panel who's been to Detroit. Um, did it feel enough like Detroit for a show shot in Chicago? Uh, that's what I was saying. Like they yeah. got some second unit stuff in Getting there to, in feel, Detroit? to feel Detroit no, like further south. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little further south. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they got some second unit stuff in there to feel like Detroit, but it's hard. I mean, they very famously, the uh, the book has the has a sort of like a golden dome of the state house and the departed penthouse kind of vibe yeah, sure. where Clement Manziel is out looking out the window and seeing this Renaissance Center, uh, which is this uh, this series of, I think, five buildings uh, that are built on the Detroit River and overlook it there. And uh, you can see them in, in some of the second unit stuff in the show. You cannot see them uh, from the view from Dell Williams penthouse. I'm not 100 percent sure why, um, but I suspect uh, that could be a like for like thing or they couldn't get the permission to use the buildings in the way that they would want to. I'm not actually sure, but uh, that was where I was looking for. I'm like, OK, from a Detroit standpoint, I would want to see that. Yep. Didn't see it. Um, so we'll see as we go along. Look, California, I think, and parts of Pennsylvania often doubled for Kentucky in Justified sure. uh, yeah. to sometimes good effects sometimes not so. yeah yeah we'll for see. sure uh, a couple other things i think uh we didn't get a chance to talk about the court scene uh the courtroom scene and the flashbacks that were baked into that uh motherfucker i wanted chick-fil-a killed me uh yeah. it was just such a great line yeah. uh, order in the court 
there's i mean there's some great like food-based comedy uh in uh these two episodes i think uh what is judd what does judge guy say to his assistant like it's like lady did you have to kung pao the chicken yourself because yeah ridiculous thing to say well Uh, so yeah yeah, they like in in many cases uh and this is like i mean this is just a jumping off point the book has like overt dark difficult racism in it yeah especially epithets from the oklahoma wild man uh and so how do you convey that without uh without going there kung pao that chicken feels a little bit loose like that uh certainly the reggae polka is a microaggression maybe oh yeah Clement Manziel, straight up racist, uh, yeah. and like made very clear on the show, and I I appreciate yeah. that that's carrying over. Like yep. he is just he is really ruthlessly racist on on the show. I forget like never never seen a, yeah. a, a never black seen man a, never seen a, who yeah. wasn't dirty like or whatever yep. it was he says there. Yep, yeah, and, and the assistant, even though she's been uh, taken hostage by a murderer, has the chutzpah to say like maybe you don't know enough black people, right? Man. Like yeah. you know, like maybe that's a you problem. Uh, and yeah, that's a good way of showing the racism of of Clement without uh, going deep on it uh, the way that the book would, uh, with a lot of like I said slurs and epithets and what have you. Yeah, you read um, his chapters, which are really written in his voice, and they're like, yeah, it's garbage. Uh, so yeah. uh, like, how do you how do you render that text to the text of a TV show? Uh, so far, I think they're doing it pretty effectively. I think they are, too. And I think that the did you kung pao that chicken yourself is a good way of conveying the inappropriateness and abrasiveness and difficulty of the judge, uh, which is, like I said, present from the first few pages of the book uh, and and seeing that play out on the screen. A funny line. Definitely a funny line. But I think a funny line. You know, Keith David's just insane. Uh, The last thing that I wanted to make sure to mention, and I'm going to drop my fourth F-bomb on this podcast. Uh, I just have to call out the line ever see Yellowstone, I would fuck the shit out of Kevin Costner, to which I say, Antonio, better call Saul. (laughs) (laughs) Better call Saul indeed. Uh, Speaking of Chicago. Wow. Uh, Marco Polo. uh, Yeah. yeah. Very difficult. That was very funny. Um, That that was a very funny moment where it's just like, okay, I see what we're doing here. Like I can see that uh, there is the Carolyn Wilder. Like I said, she's waving at him in a coy way. Uh, she's got these moments where she's a great foil to him, but she's got a friend who thinks he's pretty freaking hot. And maybe now she's seeing him in a different way as well. Yeah, for sure. Anything else on these first two episodes of justified Antonio? The uh, the there is a uh, good to your ear hole by Funkadelic is played there. Uh, there's the reference to Atomic Dog by Parliament uh, there. Hopefully with Detroit's long history of fantastic music. Uh, I'm hopeful, like I said, that this soundtrack will have a lot of that. Uh, and we'll see it used throughout. I think there's a little bit of promise so far from the first two episodes. So I'm looking forward to seeing more. Uh, and that's the only thing like I would say I, I want to really track uh, that we haven't super gone into is just all the needle drops that we play here and how many of them have a direct connection to Detroit versus how many of them are just a song or a track that was used for a particular moment or for a particular reason because they like the way it fits. So you could make this whole you could make this show with exclusively Detroit music. I think they've already broken that uh, and not done that. So the question is like how far will we go away from uh, exclusively Detroit and how much will we really lean in on the Detroit sound uh, and what we'll do uh, to fill that up. I'm looking forward to it. Um, there is a direct call out to Lukenbach, Texas, the song by Waylon Jennings, uh, which has nothing to do with Detroit in the book. Uh, and it is a point of contention. So I am curious to see whether Lukenbach, Texas, a great, great 
great, great song will come up in this show. Okay, well, we'll find out next week as Justified City Primeval continues. Uh, next episode title, according to Wikipedia, is Backstabbers. Uh, uh-oh, watch your back, Raylan Givens. Yeah, that's not good. Don't like that at all. Uh, so we'll see whose back is getting stabbed and with what is another question. Uh, this piece of metal detritus that uh, that Willis seems to have stumbled upon is that Chekhov's metal detritus? Was it? Was it? Should a I say? Should I call it detritus? <laughs> God damn it! We've been doing this for a long time. We've dug a lot of Detroiters together. We're the Detroiters. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it was a Pontiac uh, logo, but if you want to call it Detroitus, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to finish this podcast. Uh, but yeah, we should track that. Maybe that's what gets stabbed in the back. Maybe somebody gets kung pao'd with some chicken. Okay, we'll see where it goes. Make sure you're subscribed. Pushercaps.com slash justified is the RSS link. When you want to search by URL, you can also search Recaps Justified wherever you get your podcast ratings and reviews greatly appreciated and if you want to come after me for that horrible detroitist pun i don't know what to tell you it's not horrible like, it's phenomenal. i feel like it was justified yes it uh, was justified yes all right folks we'll be back next week until then take care bye-bye